This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. In today's message, we learn how to overcome the evil in our hearts and in the world with generosity. We discover how to do less talking and more living as God has called us to live. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's listen to the message, Overcoming Evil with Generosity. Not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And it's so funny how they are so like the East is from the West. How we handle situations and how we think we can overcome things and how we think that we can win and how we ought to deal with stuff is just totally the opposite from what God does. It's just so, it's just so amazing. Who would have ever thought that you could take a lamb and kill a snake? I mean, I would have never, I would have never came up with it. Jesus, the Lamb of God, devil, the serpent, and Jesus defeated the serpent as a lamb. Whoever thought that dying would produce life? Who, who would have came up with that? Who would have ever thought that but God and how he determines how things should be, but it don't match what we think they should be? So, today... We want to talk about overcoming evil with generosity. Who would ever thought that? I mean, the world says overcome, fight fire with fire, and that way you have a bigger fire, and that's all we've ever created. So when you think about generosity, look at Romans 12 and verse 13 through 15. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. He said, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And the word generous actually means a readiness to give more than necessary or expected. You know, most most folks willing to give uh, what they say. But he said we need to be ready to give a generous person. The word generous means to be willing to give more than is expected or necessary. And a generous person goes what? The extra mile. It makes me think about what Jesus said when he was talking about, when he was talking about if a man take your coat, he said do what? Give him your hat. He said, if he compel you to go a mile, go two. So if he strike you on your one cheek, he said, do what? He said, man, I got two of them. <laughs> His ways are not our ways. Because my mama told me if they hit you, hit them back. So if, 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 you know. But a generous person is somebody that's motivated by love and do more than what's required by law. You know, the law say, give them this. The law say, give them $15. God said, give them 25. Give them 25. And when we become a Christian, we are indwelt in our human spirit 
by the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ. And remember what he said. He said, now, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, then you're none of his. And what does God want to do? He wants us to empower us to look like him so that we can mirror Jesus to the world. Remember what disciples, when, the, when those, those people came to the disciples and they said, I want to see Jesus. Take us to see Jesus. So we say in this day, how can I take you to see Jesus? By us, him living in you. Because really and truly, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And if we allow his spirit to live within us, guess what? We will mirror to the world Jesus. And we can truly say, if you want to see Jesus, watch me. Watch me and see what I do. So, A generous life has three dimensions, three dimensions, three areas you want to look at. Be generous by reproducing the example that God has given you in Christ. In other words, God set the example of what generosity should look like. Now, we know generosity, when you get to dealing with this, Romans 12, 15, he said, Now rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This going to be ugly now. If we're going to do what he say, you can't do it from a distance. That means it gets messy, don't it? It gets messy because you're going to actually have to get involved with people in order to rejoice with them and in order to weep with them. You got to get involved in the lives of other people. And what is the temptation? To isolate ourselves and to stay away from that kind of stuff. Because we don't want to be what? Nobody want to get hurt. Because let me tell you something. When you do this kind of stuff, you put yourself out there for somebody to crush you. Nine times out of ten. Let me ask this question to the people in here. Who has hurt you the most? Those that's closest. And a lot of times, those that you've done the most for. And therefore, we have a tendency to do what? I ain't doing it no more. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to bag off. I'm going I'm to isolate myself. And you know what? We cannot do what God wants us to do in doing that. And what does he want us to do? He wants us to mirror Jesus to the world. He wants us to show the world what Jesus does in a situation like that. Let me say this. If you don't want to be hurt, then you can't be a follower of Christ. Because guess what? Every day, every day, we hurt him. And every day, what does he do? Keep reaching to you. Keep calling on you. Keep having mercy on you. Keep showing you grace. Keep watching over you. Keep taking care of you. So how can you receive it and not be willing to give it? How can you do that? And, and he called us to be a loving person, and we got to get close enough so that we can feel their pain 
and share in their joy. Most of the time, we don't want to, we don't want to, most, most folks don't want to rejoice. With, most, most, most folks ain't glad when you happy. I mean, we live in a world where people don't want to see you blessed and prosper. People are miserable, and they want you to be miserable too. I would like that. I remember, like, like I told y'all the story about my preacher. He, man, he just happy and bouncing and telling me it's going to be all right. And I'm like, man, I, I want you to share some of this pain I'm feeling. Don't want to hear that right now. But we got to get close enough to other people to feel their pain and to share in their joy. And the only way you can do it is put your own self at, at risk. So here's the question. Whose pain are you feeling right now? Whose joy are you sharing? Is it anybody that you know that's going through something like Sister Audrey was talking about those people that had the wreck? I mean, you know, I think we've gotten, we've gotten to the place where we don't take it truly to heart when people are going through stuff. We need to be where we take it to heart when somebody is dealing with an issue. When somebody said, pray for me, we shouldn't take it to mean I say this little mealy mouse prayer that I always pray. But I should sincerely set aside some time and get before God and truly pray for that person. Because I'm going to tell you something. If somebody asks you to pray, it's serious. It's serious. Or I wouldn't ask. Do you know how much it takes for people to humble themselves and ask you to, to just ask for help? To ask for help. So God set the example for us to follow. He himself was in heaven. He was self-sufficient. He had all the love that he needed. Had the love of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They had everything he needed. He didn't need nobody. He could have stayed in heaven. He could have created the man and the woman and left them with each other and stayed in heaven. But guess what he did? He took on a visible form and he came down every day in the cool of the day so he could spend time with them. Why? So he could feel what they felt. He could share what they experienced. He said, he said I don't want to just create them and leave them. He said, I'm going to come down every day and talk with them and walk with them and spend time with them so I can know. And then, and then just, just, just to jump ahead, when man had sinned and he was separated from God and God had no idea what it meant. So he said, guess what he said? Prepare me a body. He said, I'm going down. He said, I'm stepping down from heaven. I'm leaving heaven. I'm coming to earth, and I'm going to become a man so that I can know what they experience. So I can share in their joy, and I can experience their pains, and then I can go back to the Father because I know, and I can intercede on their behalf. I can pray for them truly because I understand. And see, a lot of stuff we deal with and people deal with, we should understand. You may not understand everything, but there are some things that should draw you to your knees because you know what it feels like. And that's what God did with us. 
He did this because he is love. And the love does not watch from a distance. Love does not watch from a distance. It comes alongside you in, in your joys and your sorrows and what you're dealing with in life. And I'm going to tell you something. When I was all week long, I have struggled with this. I struggle with it because the church has made a mess out of this. We made a mess out of it. We have made a mess out of it. We're not doing what God wants us to do. And in John's gospel, he records seven, the seven miracles of Jesus, and they call them signs because they point to signs of who Jesus really is and what he does. And the first of these signs was at a wedding, and the last of these was at a funeral. Now, think about the first sign. He was at the wedding of Canaan, and they ran out of wine. Think about this now. Most of us, most preachers, a friend of mine was telling me he was getting married. And because they were going to have some alcohol at the wedding, the pastor wasn't going to marry him. He was, he was asking me would I do it. And he said he finally found an old friend that he went to school with. He said, I, you, my, you, my, you my second choice. He said his friend would do it. But look, now here Jesus is. He was at a wedding, and the Bible said that they ran out of wine. And his mama came and said, said, said son, they're out of wine. He said, woman, what have I to do with you? It's not my time. It's not time for me to do this. But because she asked, and he saw the situation, he said, bring me six firkins of water. Go get them. And bear them to the governor of the feast. And then the Bible said they went and got them, they did what he said, and they took the wine to the governor. And this is what the governor said. He said, man, he said, you say the good wine for last. Listen to what he said now. He said, most men get a good wine first and the bad wine after men already drunk. In other words, they were going to be drunk at this thing. But Jesus was the out. He go places that we too holy to go. He go to things that we say, hm, they're going to be dancing over there. I'm going to tell y'all. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've been listening to some of the old songs that I used to listen to. Enjoying them. <laughs> Think what you want. I don't care. Man, I still like, I st I, I like them. You know, it bring, it bring that rock back to me. You know, when I'm kind of feeling bad, you know. I, I, I ran up on uh, Johnny Guitar Washington. Now, most folks don't even know who that is. Mm -mm, no, I don't want no Johnny Taylor. <laughs> I listen to that Johnny Guitar Washington. Curly Blow, want you to know <laughs> these are the breaks. Break it up, break it up, break it up, break down. Yeah. Yeah, I've been listening to them. Enjoying them. Say what you want, think what you want. I don't care. Jesus can go to places where folk drinking wine and getting drunk. I can listen to Curtis Blow. I ain't going to the club. I ain't going back and get my old girlfriend. I ain't going to drink no beer no more and smoke no marijuana. I'm done with that. But that, you know, you know what? 
I, I was watching TV last night, and uh, TV was on, rather, and, and uh, they start, I, and I start to order it now, so y'all know this. I start to order that thing where they showed all them old singers back in the 70s. You know, but $120, I was like, do I want it that bad? Anyway, you know, I was just looking, looking and listening and watching and, you know, just thinking about how life used to be. That, that's what those songs do. They take you back to what it used to be. But Jesus was at a place, man, where most of us wouldn't dare to go where they were drinking. When me and my wife got married, and we weren't going to have no alcohol, the preacher don't even show up at the reception. He won't even come because he think we, oh, we finna boogie now. So what, man? Quit acting like you ain't never danced. Quit acting like you ain't never had a drink. I should have compassion for people. And I'm telling you, God allowed me to do what I did. And you know what it did for me? When I see a drunk man, I don't do this. Because the only reason I'm not him is because of Jesus. When I see somebody strung out on drugs, only reason I'm not him because Christ didn't let me do it. He kept me from it. That's the only reason. So, you know, we, we get on this side and we forgot we came from the other side. And we lose compassion for people that was once us. That was us. And the other thing that Jesus did, he went to a funeral. His friend had died. He shared in their joys at the wedding. But he also shared in their sorrows. It said Jesus wept. <clears throat> he cried because his friend Lazarus had died. But he could do something about it. But look where he was. And then he stopped the funeral one time. When when, when the lady's son had died, he stopped the funeral and he said, little boy, rise and go home. When they were hungry, where was Jesus at? Right there in the midst of it, trying to, doing what he could do about it. Where are we at when we see somebody that have a need? Trying to stay as far away from them as we can. Because I'm going to tell you something. It costs to love folks. It costs you something. So if you want to learn how to love, get close enough so you can share in people's joys and, and sorrows and ask yourself, this ask yourself this question. Go out and look for it. Look for somebody who you can rejoice with. Look for somebody who might be weeping. There was a lady that was coming to this church at one time and she had lost her daughter violently. And, you know, she was dealing with some things, and, 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 um, and, um, and I was trying to tell that lady, you know, I, it's a tragic thing, but then it's a way for, it's a, it's a ministry thing. Think about how many folk parents are losing their children. Man, you can go tell them how to walk through it. And every one of us done lost somebody, that's what we, we should understand. I don't understand your pain, your pain, but I do understand what it's like to go through that. And we need to be generous by releasing the gifts that God has given you in Christ. Note gifts that God has given you in Christ. 
Romans 12, 13, it said, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, generosity is a readiness to give more than necessary or expected. And the word translated hospitality literally means loving strangers. Nobody don't want to do that this day and time. Now, now I'm going to be honest with you now. Now, I see you, I see you side the road. Now, if I don't recognize you, there's a good chance I'm going to keep rolling now. God just about going to have to sit up on the dashboard and say, turn around. There's <laughs> a lot going on in, in the world now. I'm not telling you to be crazy. Don't, 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 don't stop and pick up every bomb you see. And don't, don't throw money in every bomb that's standing on the bridge that said, we'll work, we'll work for food trying to get to Florida. Yeah. He might be trying to get to Florida in his mind, not necessarily physically. So look out for people. <clears throat> now, I'm going to tell you, this right here. It bothers me, and, and, and I may explain to somebody what it, why it bothers me. Look out for people who are on their own. Be especially generous to brothers and sisters in Christ or saints who, this part really got me, who don't have a circle of connections. Think about what he's saying. There are so many people that don't have, they may have family, but don't have family that can support them or help them. Or they may not have family. They may not be connected. They may not have all that. And as brothers and sisters, we should be willing to look out for each other. Go the extra mile. Do what we need to do. Show hospitality. And this was a time of great persecution and Christians were caused to flee for their lives. See, that's, that's what he's talking about when he says, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 23, that first part of that verse, he said, but when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another. So what was happening, these people were opening up their houses to folks that they didn't know. I'm not telling you to do that. Don't leave here and go pick up somebody, some bomb and take them home now. But what they were doing was, these people were persecuted. The Christians were persecuted, so they would flee, leave town. They found another Christian in another city. That other Christian would invite them into their house and feed them and take care of them and help them till they get back on their feet because most of them left with the clothes on their backs or just a few of their belongings, and they had to help each other. Now, I'm going to tell you what I did. This guy was working at Briggs Stratton. He was sleeping in his car. Now, I wasn't going to take him home. But I did give him money so he could get a room for three or four days and gave him my number. And the other guy, the other supervisor, called his wife and got him food and stuff and brought it to him. I'm not saying, see, see we, got, we, got, we got options where I, I ain't got to take you home. You know, Golden Cherry over there. You know, I, I can put you up in one of these hotels or somewhere and give you some, some relief that way in, in, instead of inviting you home. But there's multiple ways that we can be kind and help folks. 
many ways. When they arrived, they were dependent on their brothers and sisters, people that they had never met before. I mean, you think about, and, and this is almost like slavery, too. This is almost like slavery. When the slaves would, they, they had certain houses, and they, they would have certain signs that let you know that you can go to this house, and, 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 and you could actually go ahead and find refuge or a place to hide if you were running from a slave master. And the same way with Christians, I'm sure, I think that's where the fish came from. You know, when they, when they the, the, the emblem of the fish that's supposed to represent Christianity, they probably had a fish or something on their house to let people know that I'm a Christian too. And so they would have to flee and run and hide for their lives. But he said the needs of the saints ought to be our first concern. And I'm going to say it again. The church has messed this up terribly. And I'm going to say I'm guilty myself. We hadn't done everything that we could do for the people that God has put in our path. Galatians 6.10 says this. It said the same thing. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. He said, we need to do good to those that belong to us. Those that are of the household of faith. He said, take every opportunity to do good. But we say, it's my home, my gifts, my money. And you got a right to keep it to yourself. It is the money God has given you. And you have to ask yourself the question, how are you going to use it to bless other people? I'm going to tell you something I have learned, I have seen. It was, it was a guy at work. It was a guy at work this week. And, you know, we can do just like the world does. We can, do, we can be just like the world. This guy was coming to work. His face was swollen. And he was leaving. He was getting ready to go. They told me he had a, he had a tooth, man. That was, that was terrible. He trying to work. Mind you, three months, three months ago, Two months ago, he was in a bad car wreck. Told his car out. He was out of work two, two months or so, however long it was. So now he's back, and he's trying to work, and now he's got this tooth, and he was leaving. So they, I heard it on the radio, and I said, where is he? So I tried to find him. He was already gone. So the next day, he came back again. Same thing. Face swole. Tooth. Anybody in here have a toothache? You know what he's dealing with. And so the next day, I said, I heard the same thing on the radio. He's leaving because it's, he, he can't take the pain. He's about to cry. So I said, his, I found out his uncle works there. So I said, call him on the phone, please, please. So tell me, work for Surge. The man has no insurance, no hope. Now look at all these people that work around you. Everybody could have came up with a dollar and helped this man go to the dentist. Nobody offers anything. That's what the world does. So I called, he called him, and he said, going to take X amount of dollars to, to get his mouth fixed. I said, man, take this money, get it to him so he can see by himself. We should not see. I'm going to tell you what God told me. See, we pray about stuff, 
that we can do something about. I don't need to call God unless it's bigger than me. If it's bigger than me, I need to, I need to be on my knees praying. But see, God told me this. He said, don't talk about what you can do something about. And we have a tendency to talk about people. Well, you know, he ought to do. He should have. But you know what? I don't even care. I don't even care. I said, I done had a toothache. I've been to the place where I needed help. And there was nobody to help me. And I said, God, he done gave me some gifts so I can bless other people. And I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me by. We need to look for, look for opportunities. Look for them. How are you going to use what God has blessed you with to bless other people? He didn't bless you so you could sit back and be blessed and talk about how. That's what we do. Sit back and talk about how blessed we are, how much we got. I used to have to, okay, keep going. You're going to have to again. Because I believe this. I believe that we, I want to sow enough seed in my life that I can't ever reap it all. Because I'm going to leave children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and on down the line in this world. And I'm believing that if they don't sow no seed, see, a lot of time, the, the saying is, if you're reaping a harvest and you hadn't sown, somebody already sown for you. If you are not suffering, somebody has already suffered for you. So I want to sow enough seed in this life so that my children, if they don't sow, God will bless them to reap what I sow. Don't, don't just sow for you. Don't just give for you. Give because there's generation. And look at this world now. You see Social Security going to be gone. You see where the government is working to fix it where one group of people can be in power. They're trying to work everything out where they can dominate the world and work it how they want to work it. They're manipulating the systems. And think about it, you're going to leave people here. And they're going to need God to bless them, not the government. Think about this. Jesus opened his home to strangers and gave gifts to men. Not only strangers, but his enemies. His enemies. Where's his home? Heaven. It's some folk in heaven that don't deserve to be there. It was some, some folks in heaven that hated God. And God opened his home up to them. He invited them. He blessed them. He gifted them. He did all these things for them. His enemies. And we're supposed to mirror him. John 13, 34, 35. A new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Look at, let, let me say that again. That you love one another. How? As he loved you. Now, that's deep. Think about how he loved you. When you weren't worth loving, what did he do? Loved you anyway. When you deserved death, he gave you what? Life. When he should have let you starve, he did what? He fed you. 
when he should have let you go down the tube, he what? Sent somebody to help you and lift you up out of it. He said, love one another as I have loved you that as that ye also love one another by this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one, one for another. And I said this the other week and I'm going to say it again. Everything else they can imitate, y'all. Don't, don't follow nobody because you see a miracle. Don't follow nobody because you they, they got they, they pray and some prayer get answered. Don't follow nobody for these reasons. Follow the one that has sincere, unconditional love. That see the worst in me and still love me. Follow the old people. And, and, and the saying of my wife is this. You cannot fake sincerity. You can for a little while. I thought about, I thought about prisoners when, when guys go to prison. Guess what the prisoners do? The prisoners, the, the, the Muslim guys, this is what they do. They will offer a guy, to, uh, somebody told me this or I read it somewhere, said they will send you a birthday card every year. They promise you security. They promise you family and brotherhood. To get you in. That's how gangs do. They said, man, your family don't care nothing about you. Come on, we care about you. We're going to protect you. And until you get in, then you see what it really is, and then you can't get out. It's fake love, but it is a kind of love to draw you in. Remember what, John, what God said? He said, with love and kindness, have an idea what? Everybody drawn to it. Everybody looking for it. They looking for it to be genuine. They looking for it to be real. So they said, man, oh, Jesus said, for them to love one another that I have loved you, he said, he said, man, I'm going to church and find me some love. And they get to church, and what do they find? Them same old hypocrites that's at work, that stare me up and down, that won't speak to me, won't talk to me, scared to touch me, And I leave and say, hmm, I'm already like that. I don't need to go to church to be like that. Because we have failed the, the, the new commandment, the great commandment, to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and to do what? Love our neighbor as ourselves. He said, if you do these two, you'll fulfill all the rest of them. Love is the great commandment. He said, if you love, then Men will know. This is how they're going to know you belong to me. See, a lot of folk, you know, I, I, this, this lady, man, I'm going to tell you something. People are so confused. They are so confused. Man, this lady be talking, and I, I be looking at her, be like, Lord, have mercy. I can't believe some, some of the stuff that people think. It's almost craziness. Every blessing in your life, spiritual material, came from the hand of Christ. And we ought to be eager, ready to help and to bless other people. We ought to be eager. Don't be no fool now. I'm not telling you to be no fool. But there's some real people, real needs, people going through real situations. We need to be, be there to help. Be generous by reflecting the blessing that God has given you in Christ. Twelve. 
14 said this, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now that ain't, that ain't normal now. That ain't, that ain't normal. That ain't what we naturally think and do. What you think when somebody curse you? Natural instinct is what? <laughs> Say it a little louder, Brother Trace. <laughs> that that what natural instinct is when somebody brings pain in your life. You ain't think about blessing them. You, you think about blessing them out. You you ain't thinking about blessing them. So that's the temptation that we face. Because we don't, we don't naturally think that way. Like I said, God's ways ain't our ways. Natural tendency is, 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 is to focus on the injustice. But Paul said what? Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. So here's what we got to do. Bless those who persecute you. Seek their good. Pray for a way. Pray for an opportunity. The person that despises you, God show me how I can show love to this person. The person that hurt you or hurting you, God show me, and like I say, wait for him. God show me how I can show love to this person because he said sincere love will help us to overcome evil. God says, give it where it's not deserved and give it where it may never be returned. We don't mind. Think about, think about what the scripture I, I gave y'all from some weeks ago when it says, what are you if you speak to those that speak to you? He said, what? The sinners do that. He said, no, how, what have you done if you loan to those who you know that's able to pay you back? He says, sinners do the same. Go to the bank. If they look at your credit and say, okay, yeah. See how much money you got in the bank? Yeah, yeah. Come on in, Miss Virginia. You can get this. But I remember going in the bank. The lady told me, she said, now you want to borrow $2,500. We're going to need you to have $2,500. <laughs> I had 2500 I wouldn't need your 2500 You know why I like that, right? Because I had them have a little history. <laughs> had a little history well. Slow. He got a little slow here paying him back. Oh, no, paying the back. Yeah. <laughs> God said, now, those are the ones I want you to loan to. See, see, that guy, man, that guy, he been out of work. He's struggling. He might not even have a vehicle because he told the car. I don't know. He might be still dealing with some injuries because he was banged up pretty good. They were going 100 miles an hour. Okay, I can say That's what he get. Riding down the road acting a fool. I ain't got nothing to do with that. 
the man in pain. Is he going to be able to pay me back? I'm not. I ain't looking for it. Not expecting it. That ain't what it's about. But guess what? I'm going to tell you what I found out. Man, I'm going to tell you, you can't give it fast enough. You can't give it fast and God give it back. You can't do it. You can't do it. Every time I, every time I shell out a little bit over here, man, I be looking around. There comes some more. They say if you, if you close, can't nothing get in or out of a closed hand. Nothing. Put money in your hand and close it up. It can't get out and can't nothing else get in. But put an open hand out. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you what I've seen. Man, it'll flow like a river. It'll flow like a river. Give it to them that don't deserve it. Can't pay you back. Reflect on the example of Jesus. Look what Jesus did. Consider his crucifixion. Man, when I got to thinking about this, I got to thinking about this. I got to thinking about somebody literally driving a nail through my hand. Nailing me to something. Nailing me to something. I've hit my hand with a hammer and it was painful. Can you imagine? And I remember when I was a kid, this was when black folk had it rough when they went to the doctor. Wasn't like it is now. Used to be in this city, it's amazing. Just tell you how old we done, we done got to be when you can remember this. In this city, there was one doctor that waited on black people. One, Dr. Weldon. And when you went to Dr. Weldon, it was, it was kind of like this. I could see, it was just like this, matter of fact. I could see the white people sitting on that side and the black folks sitting on this side. I got bit by a green snake. And so my foot had swollen to be about that thick. So he had to put a tube through my foot from top to bottom, a hole all the way through my foot, and put a piece of rubber in it so it would drain. And he, when he, he never deadened my foot. I was sitting there bleeding and crying. My mama was sitting there crying. We both sitting there crying. When, he, when he's putting, it, putting that hole in my, I mean, putting that rubber down through my foot. We both sitting there crying. And think about, you know, Jesus. Somebody driving a nail through his hand, and he didn't curse the people that did it. 1 Peter 2.23 says this, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Think about that. Think about that. I mean, this Jesus now. The little old bit of power we got to take revenge on somebody. Ain't about nothing. Jesus, if I had been Jesus hanging on that cross, hey, okay, y'all wait till I come back. <laughs> I'm going to get up again. I'll see you in a few days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you in a few days. You wait till I come back. But guess what he did, man? While he was on the cross, he sought the good of those that brought him pain. 
he prayed for them to be blessed. Father, forgive them for they, now this, that's critical. That's critical. They know not what they do. Now I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. All of us say this. They know what they're doing. He said, low down. He know what he's doing. Jesus didn't look out there and see that, say that about the old people. He looked out there and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And man, when I started thinking about that and looking at the people, and, 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 and like I said, I, say, I, say this, I said this before too, I'm going to say it again. We got to stop expecting Christian results out of non-Christian people. We expect folk that don't know God to do right. That ain't a reality. Did you do it when you didn't know him? Ain't halfway doing it now. <laughs> I mean, come on. In 1 Peter 2, 20 and 21, it said, now, look at this. He said, if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Now, this is what I want you to see. He's basically telling us, you are going to do good and you are going to suffer for it. The question is, how are you going to deal with it? He said, now, if you endure it, if you take it with the right frame of mind, he said, God, that's gracious in the sight of God. Look at the next part of that verse. He said, for to this, you have been called. Called to what? To do good and to suffer for doing it. Don't match up, do it. Don't make sense. He said, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. In other words, he cut a path for you to walk in. He said, you are going to be good to folk, and you're going to suffer for doing it. And he said, this is what I called you to. Consider what the other person may have suffered. Like they said, put yourself in their shoes. Luke 23, 34, Jesus did it. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Put yourself in their shoes. Jesus looked at them. He said, they, they don't know what they're doing. This tells us the spiritual condition of those that were persecuting him. They were spiritually blind because the Bible said if they had known they were crucifying the Lord of glory, they wouldn't have done it. If they had known, they didn't know. They were ignorant. They were spiritually blind. So we got two choices. When somebody do it wrong, we can brood over it and make our own heart harder. Think about that. If you continue to sit somewhere and talk about what somebody done to you and keep brooding over it, all you're doing is hardening your heart against people. Hardening your own heart. Your own heart is getting harder. Oh, it went too fast. Uh-oh. Next one. Next one. Next one. 
Next one. I can put myself in the, in the shoes of the person who has hurt me. Okay, put, my, put yourself in their shoes. Ask yourself, what would, and, 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 and that's, why, that's why I was so blessed when he, see, see, see that's how I know when God moving. Travis Green said, where would I be if you left me? I don't want to know. He said, where would I go? Where would I be? What would I be? Ask yourself, what would my life have been like? What, what would my life have been like if his or her story had been mine? What if I had experienced what he or she has endured? What if I grew up under the same circumstance, the same condition as that person I'm talking about? Where would I be? What would I be doing? They are blind, separated from the love of God, and they don't know what they are doing. They, look at this right here. This is what God said now. I put it in the easy to read version in Jonah chapter 4 verse 11. He said, now if you get set upset over a plant, surely I can feel sorry for a big city like Nineveh. There are many people and animals in that city. There are more than 120,000 people there who did not know they were doing wrong. Now, think about this. Think about this. Jonah had got mad because God told him to go to Nineveh. Why did he get angry? He said, because if I go there and preach, you're going to forgive them. And I don't want them to forgive them. I want them punished. So I'm not going. So he get on a boat, go to Tarsus. You know the story. Anyway, when he, when he finally headed back that way, the Bible said he was out in the sun. He was suffering from heat exhaustion. So God caused a plant to grow overnight to come over him and give him shade. And then God killed the plant. Jonah got mad with God because he killed the plant. Sound like us. I'm mad with y'all because y'all killing these dogs, but the, we got folk dying up here in New York. They'll show me a dog and want me to spend. They got that dog that's shivering. Hadn't, hadn't eaten in three weeks. And, and, this, <laughs> and, <laughs> and this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Why y'all showing me him? Y'all got him. Feed him. And I told my wife, I said, show me some people under the bridge that's homeless, out in the cold, don't have nothing to eat, shivering. Show me them. I mean, y'all show me the Africans, but show me some Americans because there's some here. And you don't show me them, but you want me to send $19 for a dog. And will call the police on me by the <laughs> We read Brother Marcus' story. Call the police on me by the dog. And y'all will come right around and mistreat me. 
But look at Jonah now. He got mad with God for killing the plant, but had no compassion for 120,000 folk that he wanted God to kill. And the animals in town. He mentioned the animals in the city. And God said, those people didn't know what they were doing. That's what God said now. He said, he said, they done sinned to the point where they no longer knew the difference between right and wrong. To them, evil had become good and good had become evil. Now, you know we live with people like that now. We can say they know right from wrong, but the truth of the matter is if they, they, they don't. They messed up. The King James said they don't know their left hand from the right hand. But we say they, could, they can do better. And it's a tragic condition that don't call for anger. It calls for compassion and pity. When you see it, you need to feel sorry for them. Because it's a tragic thing to be that far away from the knowledge of God where you don't know. Evil has become good and good has become evil. You don't know right from wrong. And think about this scripture right here. It said, now, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the, of, of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, let me say this. Think about what, what I just, the scripture we just read. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because God told him to go to Nineveh and preach. And when he, he knew, because see, what does what this preaching do? What is it supposed to do? It's supposed to open your eyes to see so you can see right and wrong. And he knew when they saw it, they were going to repent. And that's what they did. And he was mad. He didn't want that. What kind of preacher don't want folk to get saved? He didn't want them to change. He wanted them to be destroyed. He out with them. And we got to always remember this. The devil has blinded the mind of people that don't believe so they, they, they can't see. And that's why the gospel is so important so people can, eyes can be opened. That's why it's so important, not that we do a whole lot of talking, but we do a whole lot of living. A lot of demonstrating, a lot of mirroring the image of Jesus so people can see what he looks like, what he does, how he operates, and how he acts. They can't really see what we see. They don't see what we see. Think about this. Think about this. I'm in Walmart. Man step on my foot. I get a little upset. But then I turn around and realize he's blind. What happens then? I feel sorry for him, don't I? Sir, can I, can I help you? You need some help? That's how we ought to see folk that step on our foot every day. Blind, They're blind. We ought to turn around and pray for them. Instead of being mad with them, instead of want to want to want to kill them, or whatever it is you do or think, we should we should feel sorry for these people. Because if it wasn't here, here here's Travis Green. If it wasn't for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, you would be blind to His glory. You wouldn't see it, and who knows? 
where you would be or what you would be doing. I already know where I would be. I already know what I would be doing. I already know what would be. I probably wouldn't be alive if Jesus hadn't had mercy and grace on me. I probably wouldn't even be living. So, remember how God has dealt with you. Remember? John chapter 13, verse 34, 35. Love one another as I have loved you. He said, now, now I want you to go out and love people like you've been loved. Think about it. But God showed his love for us in that while we were what? Yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's say it this way. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinning against him, he sent his son to die for us. So, are you willing to give up some life for those that are sinning against you. Remember how he said, love as you have been loved. Then Romans 5.10 says this, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. He said now, for while, if while we were enemies, what does an enemy do? Anybody got some enemies? Every way they can. Talking about you. Lying on you. Trying to set, tra set traps for you. Now I don't know how we tried to do that to God. But we did. I can remember, I can remember watching TV one time. And a man was on TV. And he was. He was I think he was laying hands on somebody. I, man. Man cut that mess off. That stuff ain't real. Said that out of my own mouth. Guess what the first thing that happened to me? When I, after I got saved. First thing that happened to me. I was in church. Didn't nobody even touch me. Went out. Yeah, it's real. I don't know about what they were doing. But God demonstrated. He said, ain't nobody got to touch you. <laughs> I'll knock you out personally. <laughs> I was standing down there in Nazareth Baptist Church that just gave my life to Christ. I was standing up there, and God had told me to tell the people, gave me a word for the people in the church. And I was standing this close to the communion table. And as I was talking, man, I started getting hot. I know, I know what the disciple felt. He said, man, I started getting hot. I felt like I was drunk, and I was, I, 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 I was talking, and I heard people crying. I heard all this stuff going on, and, all this, and next thing you know, I was out. And I, I, I didn't faint, because when you faint, you don't know what's going on. I was conscious. I heard him say, let us get him to the back. Her deacon picked me up, took me to the back, and, and one of them saying, this man been called to preach. And I was like, man, get out of here. I'm saying that unconscious. <laughs> and while we were enemies, look, God reconciled us by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And if God was trying to reach us while we were his enemies, he said for us to do the same for our enemies. 
Romans 12, 13 through 15, again, we're going to close where we started. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil. How? With good. See, you don't, you don't fight fire with fire, like Barney say. You fight fire with good, according to what God say. If you want to see, if you want to, and, and, and let me say this. I'm not going to promise you that you are going to be received by people and loved by people. But I will promise you, you will be accepted and loved by God. That's our goal, right? That's what we're after. I'm not telling you, and, and there will be some people that's going to love you now. But I'm telling you, it's not going to do away with those that's going to hate you. Because if it did, you wouldn't have to continue to do this. You could do it and get those people straight, and then we're good to go. We're going to always encounter those people. And our, our, our ultimate goal and objective is, is to mirror Jesus to the world. Is to reflect him to the world. For folk to look at us and, and say, okay, I see how Jesus is. I see how he is. And my prayer for all of us is this right now. God help us. God help us. God help us first in our own families. Where we mirror Jesus to our family members. God help us in the church. We learn it at home. We test it at church. So that we can take it to the world. Let us learn how to practice love and generosity with each other. So that when we get into the world, practice makes perfect. So that we can mirror to the world, this is who Jesus is. You try to hurt me. I figure out a way to love you, to bless you, to help you. And if I don't do anything else, I'm going to pray for you. Because when I pray for those who hurt me, I protect my own heart. I keep my own heart. Because the other alternative is, is that I fester, I, I harbor and think on the hurt that was done to me. And that harms my heart. But if I pray that keeps my heart tender and soft towards God and keep the evil from returning back upon me. So God, I just ask you to help us in this because without you, we can do nothing. And Lord, we just bless you, praise you. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.